Because as a creative person, usually people stay in their lane. Like you're creative, you're artsy, you're going to stay in that world. But you were big into sports. Huge. Huge. <laughs> Still are. Still am. And those four years playing CYO basketball with him were like, those are like the best four years of my childhood. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're going to make me cry. I know. I'm a creature of habit and I really like being comfortable, but I drop kick myself out of my comfort zone constantly. One of the other moms said that, um, watched you in a group project once and reported back to me that you were going to one day be a CEO. I knew high school was not going to be my golden years. Like yeah. I knew it. I was not going to peak in high school. Like I just had a strong sense that like better things were outside of this small town. Welcome back. We're here together again. Our favorite way to spend time, right? <laughs> All right. Welcome back. We are more than just a mother-daughter duo. We are best friends, business partners, dance partners, and more. Despite living on opposite sides of the country, we talk every single day. Rachel? Absolutely. And we talk about it all. Work, life, social media, family, hopes, dreams, goals, and nothing is off the table, truly. And we're inviting you to the chat. This is yours truly, a glimpse into what goes on behind the TikToks and inside our conversations together, even the extremely long tangents. Yes, and there'll be many of those possibly today. When you join the chat, you're not just a listener, you're officially part of the family. Julie's in the hot seat today, and she's going to take questions from me about her journey so far. Self-proclaimed as aggressively quiet in high school to being unapologetically herself on social media now, we see how she got there. So let's start at the beginning a little bit. All right. Okay. As a creative person, when did you first realize that creativity was an important part of your DNA or in your DNA at all? It's hard to answer that because it just feels like it's been a part of me forever. I have always loved being creative, drawing, doing crafts was always my favorite part. And on the weekends, I remember I just always wanted to do crafts and arts and crafts, arts and crafts. I wanted to do everything. I really enjoyed like working with my hands mm -hmm. and drawing. And I guess also back in the day, you know, there wasn't as many, as many iPads. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, entertaining myself that way. Also, growing up with two brothers, they were always playing video games mm -hmm. and, you know, didn't always have a big interest to in me playing video games. So I think I took to the side of doing more creative things, potentially, nice. I think, and if, if you see that that way, too. Yeah, I, I want to just add that there's an interesting thing that I remember, a very specific, specific memory of you when you were younger. And yes, always drawing and on the floor and cre creating. But also, she came in one time to, I'll, I'll never forget this. She wanted to get something out of the cabinet, and it was she was too short to get it because she was a little girl. And so mm. she comes running in with the little bench, the step stool. And I watched this happen, and I thought, that is an analytically strategic mind happening right now. Because usually, as the boys would do, put it in front of the cabinet, try to open the cabinet, and we go bang, 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 bang. But she had the foresight <laughs> to know, let me not put it in the front of the cabinet until I open the cabinet. And I know that sounds like silly, but for a two-year-old, it was such a basic thing that she didn't have to go through that step she was thinking and planning, and you've always been like that, a planner, a thinker, a strategic, you know, that's where you are now. Yeah. D do you know that that was part of you, Did, or it's just like instinctive, I guess? I feel like it's instinctive, and I think there is a certain creativity in being organized and strategic and mm -hmm. planning. I mean, planning is basically just like solving problems, so 
And a lot of the times you have to solve them creatively. So I guess putting opening the door to the cabinet was a creative solution at the time. It was for, for a young person. <laughs> it's so funny because I, having been in a creative field, I work with a lot of creative people who are so in their lane. And it's like they it's almost like unapologetically creative without having that organized side. And you mm-hmm. blend the right brain, supposedly right brain, left brain thing together so well that it's it's always mind boggling to watch that because it's it's rare. I don't know. In, in my experience, I think it Thank is. Thank you. That it's appreciated. <laughs> so being creative with such a strong opinion creatively as you were growing up, what you had a really strong idea when you were working on a group project, for example. And did you find it hard to work in a group when you were young for that reason? I'm an independent person. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is just who I am. I don't know. I just feel very strong being independent I don't like asking for help I like to do it myself I want to do it start to finish and I feel like in group projects and group settings uh, I just like think about group projects and I want to just like <gasps> you don't like it you never liked it and, yeah. I just would get annoyed that nobody could not nobody could see the way that I could see it but I have such a strong vision for things and not to say it's always the right vision or the best vision but I one of the one of my strengths is being able to visualize things and you know I'm trying to think of an example like Tommy and Jenna's wedding like mm-hmm. I can visualize exactly what it's going to look like now That's amazing. <laughs> like I could give you all the details of what I think that's going to look like. Wow. And we should also add that she's helping them plan helping it, them plan and, the which is, they are welcoming it. So she is <laughs> but the even, ultimate gift to them right now. Yeah. So I just, I feel like I have this really strong visualization sense where once I have it locked in, I'm, I have that police determination to right. see it. And you don't through. like to see it when it, you don't like it to change necessarily. I don't You're like it good to change, change, but you don't. But on those group project settings, it's like, I know that this is the right answer. <laughs> I know. And it's like so hard. You have to let other kids go on their journey and like figure it out. And I don't even remember that many group projects, but right, they were right. always such a struggle. Yes. One of the other moms said that, um, watched you in a group project once and reported back to me that you were going to one day be a CEO. And I thought that was, that stuck <laughs> with me. We've mentioned that on another episode and it's worth mentioning here because it does, it, it does really speak to who you are. Mm-hmm. So do you think that growing up with older brothers, two older brothers and one with uh, autism and special needs, do you think uh, that impacted you? And we'll just briefly touch on this and maybe we'll dive into this in another episode. But mm-hmm. what do you think the impact on you was in terms of how you present yourself, how you um, had to navigate, you know, get maybe look vying for attention? Did you feel that that had an impact on you in trying to, you know, become your own person? Mm. Interesting. Um, I feel obviously having brothers and no other sisters affects you in a weird way. I'm madly competitive. I feel like I was a tomboy-ish kind of growing up. I, lo- I played every single sport, you know. Um, She's very competitive I'm in very video competitive. games. <laughs> Even, I mean, in, um, in board games. <laughs> That's a really good example. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, there's that as- more traditional aspect of like, I'm competitive. I like sports. I understand sports. I enjoy watching them. I always wanted, they are older than me. They're five and seven years older than me. So I always feel like there was part of me that always wanted to be on the same level as them, which maybe added to like how I was always more mature than my age is that 
I always wanted to be on the same level as them. Mm -hmm. And then I think, especially with Jonathan having autism and special needs, I never wanted to be a bother. So I think that also leads into like why I'm so independent is I didn't want to bother you guys ever and like be another problem. So that has channeled into this fiercely independent Mm -hmm. person that I am where, you know, I have to remember now as an adult that like I'm not bothering people when I'm asking for like help or assistance and I'm not bothering people by, you know, expressing my feelings. And I don't think it's anything that you or dad ever did to like discourage me from, you know, sharing my feelings or telling you I'm hurt or something like that. I think it was really internal where I was like, I and we didn't know yeah necessarily you know and I think that started really young and then just kind of went through my whole you know whole adulthood of internalizing not wanting to bother people Mm -hmm. and I think that's what also like led me to be a little bit more aggressively quiet as I got older because I was like I don't want to bother I don't want to bother. I don't want to be, I don't want to interrupt. Right, I don't, want to, ma- I don't want to make a scene. It was especially yeah. with oh. Jonathan would make lots of scenes, not being able to like control himself, which is totally fine. But I never wanted to cause a scene. Right. And that is why I have it so deeply rooted in me that like sometimes doing, making TikToks in publics makes me so uncomfortable because I think of like Jonathan having an outburst at the Broadway diner and like being mortified. Right. So. Right. It's funny because when I when I recall this separately, when you're not around and I'm talking amongst adult, you know, friends or whatever, I'll say, you know, they'll say, well, you and Julie get along so well. Didn't she have bad teenage years? And I always say no, because I think she knew that we were having enough issues. So she didn't add on to that. And I took it as like it was more instinctive and it was on your part. Mm -hmm. And it was also kind of you, you know, somehow (laughs) not to do that to us and not realizing how much you were impacted. And sometimes it's hard for me to look back knowing, you know, all the things we've talked about now with relation to that. And it's, it's tough. I mean, we should dive deeper into that in, you know, another episode, but. I think we do have a ton of empathy as a family for sure. And Jonathan is directly the main root of that, which is fine to say, because I know I have more empathy for people like you say that I have a ton of patience, which mm-hmm. I do, um, which I'm thankful for. Like, I have a ton of patience. I mean, sometimes I don't, and then I remember. But I do have a ton of patience when I see people with families out in public. Do I get annoyed when, like, a child is screaming? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, WTF. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't – that kid – You don't know what's going on. He might, might be, be having, some... you know, sometimes – And this has taken a lot of therapy sessions to, like, understand of under like understanding that Jonathan didn't necessarily have control of his outbursts. Right. He would. It wasn't doing it to. He wasn't doing it to to embarrass us. It wasn't like with malice or with negative intent. It was because he didn't understand. Yeah. He didn't even know it. Yeah. I think we all have, like, a ton of empathy and are very kind because I think. On the outside, it looks like, oh, we're like the perfect little family and we all get along really well. But there were yeah, some really, really rough times, rough years that not a lot of people actually know about right. <laughs> right. at all. Right. Right. And, we'll, you know, we this is not we're not going to go all yeah. the way there right now. But, yes, there was some struggles. And I think that we all maybe came out stronger for it. Yeah. And I look to that and I and I I've always been the person that looks to like, well, this happened for a reason. And now we're all here for this 
because of that. So I just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know my tendency is always to take that. But I know that uh, it's not fair all the times to, to always just have that, you know, positive outlook. And it was meant to be happen. So this could happen. Mm-hmm. And I know other people don't think that way. So I try really hard to listen. And as you were going through everything, you know, talking about this in therapy, just to keep an open mind and not get defensive. Like, yeah, well, we did the best we could. You know, we could I could take that position. And it's <laughs> like, no, I'm not taking that position because maybe I didn't do the best I could because maybe I didn't know. Yeah. And maybe I, you know, was doing so many things and trying to fix the one thing. I didn't realize another thing was broken. And that's mm-hmm. like a hard truth to accept as a mom. But, you know, trying to be better even now mm-hmm. because I'm still a mom. You are. I still want to be better. I still also think because of that, I think a direct result of growing up with Jonathan and having to experience that, I was extremely selective in who I befriended. Mm -hmm. And I was also like as frustrated as I would get with Jonathan, I was extremely protective Mm. of him as a whole. And I purposely like only wanted to bring people into my life closely who would understand that in terms of like friends and even now a partner (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's okay (laughs) we weren't supposed to get emotional on this one but we're hanging in there so um (laughs) yes and all those things I could not say better but I I think that everyone you have chosen to bring into your world has been so kind (laughs) And that is just important to us as a family. So what I think what Julie raised here is that even though she didn't maybe consciously know what she was doing, she made those choices and looked for those friendships and relationships, knowing that that was such a high level of importance. Mm -hmm. And I will say that over the years, Tommy, in the same way, brings people in who have always been welcoming of Jonathan and, Mm -hmm. you know, the the boys that have, would hang with him and be so kind to him when they were, when he had uh, older friends over. So, mm-hmm. boy, we'll have to get Tommy on here for an episode, yeah. right? <laughs> that was like a big. We'll have to do a whole sibling episode at some point. Oh my Maybe God, can we you can imagine bring, Jonathan. Can you imagine we bring Jonathan in for one? I think we have to do it. It'd be so great. All right. So now let's talk about the other thing that happens when you have boys in your family and kind of older brothers. Uh, your deep interest in sports and the competitiveness of sports. Let's talk about that because as a creative person, usually people stay in their lane. Like you're creative, you're artsy, you're going to stay in that world. But you were big into sports. Huge. Huge. <laughs> Still are. Still am. Still are. All right. So tell us about your love of sports. Okay. okay. Perfect. So love of sports definitely came because of the brothers and wanting to be like them and wanting to like do things with them growing up. I think, and it was also just fun. I loved it. I thought, I don't even know. I just remember playing sports and really understanding it and just enjoying it. And similar to the way that art is when I'm drawing or painting or doing something of that nature, when I'm playing sports, it's the same thing where my mind is kind of at peace and I'm not, I'm only really thinking about what I'm doing, which doesn't really happen that often in my brain. It only really happens when I'm making art or even, and again, when I'm playing sports. sports. That's so cool. Um, So I think that's where that comes, comes from. And I think, you know, it was really important when dad was our coach. Yeah, so I was just going to say, you know, we have a strong mother-daughter thing going. And over the years, in the beginning especially, you know, he would take the boys, blah, 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 golfing or whatever, arcading or whatever, and then you and I would have girl time together. Mm -hmm. And so it really wasn't until sports 
and that CYO middle, I guess, how old were you? Like fifth grade yeah. sort of years when you got into, when, when dad took on the coaching role mm-hmm. and how did that change your relationship with mm. him? I feel like this is going to make me cry. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Oh. Well, it's your turn. I know. <laughs> um, ugh. We were talking about it over Christmas and having dad as a coach and those four years playing CYO basketball with him were like, just as I think of like going to college and those four years are like the best four years. Those are like the best four years of my childhood. Oh, oh you're going to make me cry. Now. I know. You're going to make him cry when he I listens know. to this. But because it was like little golden years of middle school because he fought like the way you foster such a great environment with your team at work. He fostered such a great environment with a team of teenage girls. Like, right. Like the most like, and it's not like he had a history of this. No, we should add it's not as like, well. He was never he never coached before, and especially girls, which is a whole different thing. Yeah, but he made such a priority because he knew if another dad was the coach, that I would not that I wouldn't get any playing time, just that it would be a miserable experience because this guy only wanted to play the starters. So him taking on that role really is like was so important he made it so that I'm still friends with all the girls that I played CYO with and I think that kind of speaks volumes to the environment he created yeah. he made he made everybody feel everyone, like they were important everyone was important everyone got to play even if it was like a playoff game everyone played there was no team A or team B or one or two it was blue and white it there was Right. It was just like a really utopian basketball team. <laughs> like, it's beautiful. Uh, like, I don't understand why more, especially middle school sports. Yes. Why aren't more sports like that? Like, I understand. Like, oh my god, that's so basic when you think about it. With yeah. growing up, I think we should have a whole episode that just really gets put right to into a sports arena for high school potential mm-hmm. coaches. Should maybe we should make a tutorial. <laughs> But here's how you should coach high school, you know, young girls as a rule, because look what came of it. Those girls are all still in touch with him as a coach. They they still still talk to him. They still talk to him. They, they, yes, it's, it's. And I remember we were talking about it over whenever, but like the last game of the playoffs, like we were terrible the first three years. I think like when we scored over 20 points, it was like two years in. Like, <laughs> like we were so bad, but no one cared because right. everyone was having fun. Like, we didn't care that we lost because we were having so much fun. And I think our senior year when we finally – not senior year, our, like, eighth grade year yeah. when we finally got our shit together and could, like, <laughs> shoot a free throw without, like, going underhand, we got – I was – crushed when we lost right. and I was I could not stop crying I was like the only, I think I might have been the only person on the team yeah. that was crying that much but like because I understood like I, it's like I had this foresight that you know this was the end and no other sport experience team experience was going to be as amazing as the past four years had been Aww. that's beautiful yeah so so what do you think that you bring forward from from dad for that experience yeah. and in the same parallel you know from you know things from me with growing up creatively and and how how do you bring what do you bring forward from that well especially being a leader and at work now from dad and even both from you and the family like I'm very empathetic towards people and even when I was a coworker in different roles always very empathetic and caring for people 
I think. And in terms of, you know, learning from dad, seeing him coach is just how important it is to foster like a fair environment for people where everyone feels like they're bringing something to the table and really just like respect. I think like we were all teenage girls, but he respected every single one of us and like treated us like adults. He never treated us like we were like 12. Like he, you know, I think dad's always been like that where he's never like, right. He's never he's not been the baby like, talk kind he's of ne- Oh God. I don't think he's ever baby talked in his life. You <laughs> hand him a puppy and he's like, cool, you know? <laughs> so I think from him, it's really that like respect. Right. And from you, it's, it's the, uh, fostering like a well him too it's just like both of you kind of like in the same like both of you did it in different ways right showing me how different how important it is for people to like enjoy what they're doing and feel like they are part of a group and that it's a team effort as much as I like to work by myself yeah no but you oh, that really helps you learn how to be yeah. a team member too because a lot of the times you know probably there were moments where you wanted to say no we should do it this way you know what I yeah. mean because that's your nature because you have vision as you said before so I want to just talk about how you didn't really fit into the typical you know moving into high school you didn't really move and in, fit into that typical mold of the high school girls in the town that we lived in and that was had to be a challenge for you because you, yeah. you you weren't, you know, it's the same thing as like going to college and everybody's in a sorority. That's not your thing. You're just not that Mm-mm. type of girl. So how do you think being artistic and being creative helped you through all that? Like that had to be a big part of it. Was yeah. it, do you think? I think I found like a solid group of friends. So I didn't feel too like on like out. And by myself, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to be stuck there forever. Right. Like, every I, I grew up in a town where you went to school with the same kids you went to school in kindergarten with. And who you are in kindergarten is, like, who you were in high school. And I knew at the end of high school that I was, like, high school to college was the opportunity to, like, change. Right. And, like, reinvent myself to an extent. So I think... I think art helped. Obviously, it helped because it helped me get into college. But I think more importantly, I could see past. Like, I knew high school was not going to be my golden years. Like, I knew it. I was not going to peak in high school. Like, I just had a strong sense that, like, better things were outside of this small town. And so now I'm going to say this. Looking back on high school, because maybe there's other people listening who might know high school girls or have high school children that are going through a tough time. What what might you do differently in terms of socialization, friendships, um, how to be more yourself in high school? Like, would you have any advice or do you just think people have to live it and there's nothing you can do to? You kind of have to live it. But at the same time, I wish I was a little bit more confident to not feel like so insecure about things, just like superficial things. When you're in high school and you're in your hometown you kind of are stuck with the people who are in that town. You don't really have much of a selection, especially depending on how big or small your town is. And not that that's a bad thing at right, all. Right. Like you can find great people, but when you go to college, there's so much more you can curate who you want to surround yourself with. It's not like just because of proximity. There you go. That's a really good. That's I mean, so the opportunity is there as you move forward and just as it is in life with anything you move mm-hmm. forward. Like, why did you want to move away to college? Why did you want to go to Michigan? How did you end yeah. up making that choice? Go blue. Throwing <laughs> it in there. Um, I knew I wanted to 
not necessarily go far away, but I had always like, I don't know, I just knew I wanted to get out. <laughs> not yeah. in a bad, like not, in, I just wanted to see more than Northern New Jersey mm-hmm. and New York City. And when I was looking for colleges, I was very specific. I wanted to go to a school that had a lot of sports in terms of football and basketball mm-hmm. and also had an art program. So that really narrowed things down right. very quickly. And I also, you know, explored going to the South. I knew I wouldn't really vibe in the South. I just really wanted to go to a big school. In the Northeast, there's just a ton of small private liberal art schools, which is just not the vibe that I was going for growing up in a small town. I wanted like big school. So I looked at Big Ten and Big East schools pretty exclusively. And was that because of the sports? And that was because of the sports. Because I remember in high school, I'd watch, you know, the March Madness tournaments. And Mm. I was like, I want to be in that student section. It was essentially like what I wanted. So I specifically looked at those big schools and narrowed down which ones had art programs and which ones didn't. And that's kind of how I just made my list. So Michigan was at the top of the list. Any pros and cons of your college years, looking back? Because you were in an art school, so you had a smaller college vibe within a gigantic university. Yeah, that was, like, really a nice bonus because I was able to – I was worried about going to school in New York because as soon as you think of art school, you go, like, oh, New York. But I didn't want to just always be surrounded by art school kids. Not that it's a bad thing. I don't know. I keep saying not that it's a bad thing. But I didn't want to be surrounded by art school kids. I wanted to meet other people – yeah, and I, I don't think, think I have any con- like not a ton of cons in my college experience. I really loved every second of it, and it's bring like it just bring- makes good me memories. so happy good like memories, looking right? through pictures and yeah. you know I'm close with some of my college friends still, and some I'm not, but like I still look back on the pictures and like I'm happy. Like right. I see them and I'm happy. It's not like any of those relationships ended poorly or anything. The only thing, the only con I will say about going to a big school in Michigan is that now all my friends live across the country. Right. Tommy went to Fairfield, which is in Connecticut, right? Local. Local Mm -hmm. to the Northeast. So sometimes I get a little sad that like, you know, he's planning this wedding and all of his friends are, they live within like two hours and they go together for New Year's Eve and they do these fun things. I have friends that live still in like the Michigan and, and yeah. the Midwest and I have people who live in the South and people who live in the Pacific Northwest and but I everywhere. Love, but I got to say, I love this because you did when you went uh, abroad your year mm-hmm. and you went to Australia and you made friends that were not from, you know, you have a very wide um, travel. Well, travel is important to you. And now mm-hmm. you really literally have friends from all different places. Yeah. And that's, I think, something that you would miss if you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's like such an important part of. Yeah. That. And it is really interesting that when I studied abroad, I met some of my yeah. two closest friends still to this day. Yes. And that they're sometimes closer than my high school. Like, it's just right. It's just crazy. That's the way that... It's just it's crazy to think how I had okay. to go across the world to find the two friends, like two friends that are really important to me. So. All right. So we're going to take another five minutes anyway, just because I want to get into quickly um, moving to Chicago and making that decision to, you know, one might say, oh, your boyfriend got a job and you moved to Chicago. And how do you how do you answer that as something that, you know, you wanted to do? Yeah, I get like frustrated telling people, oh, like my boyfriend got a job in Chicago and that's why I moved. 
And that's not the whole story. Like, uh, you know, Stephen and I met when I was a sophomore and then we reconnected my junior year and met like for real my junior year. And then I went abroad and I came back and I met him like we reconnected and he's so important to me. And so, yes, that is a big part of the equation of moving Chicago was to like continue that relationship and to be close to him because he wasn't just like a guy I had been dating for like four months. Right. I was like, I'm just going to do this because I'm going to follow him. I didn't really want to move home. Like I really liked being independent and I get sad when I can't just drive over and like see you guys. But moving to Chicago was such a big and important decision in my life looking back on it. And it was such a good decision because it forced me to like be independent and like figure it out. And I really just wanted to explore a new city. Like I think a really big fear of mine is you know, the kind of the reason I didn't go to art school in New York City and the reason I didn't move back to New York City after school is like, I know, I knew once I moved back after college, it would be so incredibly hard to move anywhere else in the right. world, anywhere, because I would feel so comfortable just being a few blocks away from you right. and dad and Tommy and everybody. So, so this was, this was, it had to be. And, I want to go back to something that we didn't say that's really important. Okay. And I'm just going to throw it in here. But what grade were you when you did that abroad trip, that overseas trip? Grade. Okay. So seventh grade, Julie has never even, did never really enjoyed sleepovers. sleepovers. Never went to sleepovers as a kid. Didn't really enjoy that whole experience at all. As a matter of fact, one time I think I had to pick you up at a sleepover if I yeah. remember correctly. So one day she comes home, oh, my teacher, there's a trip, and I don't remember the details of it, but, you know, it's it's 21 days and X seven countries or however many countries you, you hit in 21 days, and I want to do this trip. And I was like, wow, are you kidding me? Because here's somebody who never even wanted to go away from us overnight, and she wants to go for 21 days overseas with a bunch of strangers, not saying, oh, me and my friend are doing this trip together, because that would be typical you know, seventh grade girl, like I got to go with my friend by yourself. Yeah. You you made friends there. You went into a yeah. group. We had some orientations and things. That was pretty freaking impressive and also speaks to how much your desire to see other places and li- mm-hmm. potentially live other places. That's important to you. We yeah, didn't even talk really about that. Important. That's a huge piece of it. And I think it's funny because I like to think I... I'm a creature of habit and I really like being comfortable, but I drop kick myself out of my comfort zone constantly. Right. Like, even if I'm like, I'm going to hate it. I'm literally like karate kick myself and like off to Europe for three weeks. Like you've never even slept over at your friend's house who lives around the corner, but you're going to go to Europe and you're going to sleep in some weird hotels and you're going to go do a homestay (laughs) in Germany and like all this stuff. (laughs) And it's kind of like the same thing with like going to camp, like, and going to college, like, I'm really comfortable with you and, like, being, like, around you yes. and the family. And I love the tight-knit family we have. But drop-kicked myself to Michigan, drop-kicked myself to Chicago. And it's I crazy every time. And out west and, like, keep getting further and further. But I think it's just a part of that is, like, the desire to see more of the world and um, just, like, fill my life with experiences and I always thought, like, oh, it would be really cool to move to Europe. And I kind of had this realization, like, I don't really need to move to Europe to necessarily, like, fulfill that of that dream of, like, having a new experience. Yeah. Like, I can travel. I can but live you in, might. Yeah, I might, I might one day. You but might. <laughs> <laughs> You never know. But that's what's so interesting about you is that you, you are a, comf- a creature of comfort. You do enjoy, you know, being with family. But you also push yourself 
because you have bigger vision. It just goes back to vision because mm-hmm. you it's almost like you have vision looking back to say, um, because I, I could look back and say, man, I wished I lived in California. And how come I never did that? Like I can look back on that now. You have that vision now as a young person to say, I got to do this now because I don't want to look back and think I didn't do it. Yeah, that is vision. So now living out West, I mean, you're fulfilling another dream. You decided to do this in, you know, the most unlikely of times. And I was 100% supportive. So excited for you. And I'm just, how are you feeling about this new, this new change that you just did? It's very fresh. I love it. It's crazy because I remember telling you on the phone back in like April or March and being like, I think Steve and I are going to go on vacation to California for my birthday and we might be scouting like to move there. Like we're thinking about it. And then we came for my birthday in May and we really liked it. And we had been talking about it for a couple weeks. And, you know, the day I was going to ask work about tri- like moving is when we found out about cancer uh-huh. and it kind of put things on hold. I thought, I really needed to be home to help support you guys because at that time, dad was going to the hospital every single day. You were in and out of the hospital. Tommy was renovating a house and there wasn't really anyone home to like take care of you guys. Not that you guys and Stephen helped me realize like I, you know, it's not necessarily my role and that I don't need to take that on. And as much as I wanted to do that, I had to put myself first. And like he helped me realize that like I'm, like my life, dreams, goals, aspirations are equally as important as everything else. As everything that was else that's going on. Yeah. So I would give major props to Stephen for encouraging me. We kind of just were sick of winter in Chicago and he had grown up in the Midwest his whole life and we were ready for a change and we just thought, you know, if we never do this now, we're never gonna we're just never we're gonna never do gonna it, do it yeah. again. So I think and we that, love um, one of the things when you started talking to me about it and you were like, I shouldn't go, I shouldn't go. And I was like, you guys, you know, meaning you and Steven at the time, yeah. I'm like, this is, you know, we're all carrying on with our, our lives. Like Tommy's yeah. continuing with his real estate thing. Dad is working. I'm, I'm carrying on with my life mm-hmm. and I'm the one going through cancer at the time. So why should you stop your life? Yeah. Like that's, that was a big concern I had during the whole thing. Because I know you wanted to, you wanted to be supportive because that's your nature to, yeah to wanna... it goes back to the empathy thing and that like right i wanted to be there for you yeah and i was like but that's not fair because you're not yeah. the only one whose life should stop in this it yeah. just doesn't make sense yeah. so i mean hey we cover we hit it we hit it all today on this yeah. one oh, gosh. and uh hopefully there was a lot of a, a lot of little tidbits of of learning for people that may be going through a struggle maybe life isn't perfect but you all need to Think of yourselves in your family unit as as equally important, mm-hmm. and no one no one's life takes priority over someone else's, no matter yeah. what's going on. Absolutely. All right, all right. Yours truly, Helen and Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on our channels. So I am at the Mothership with a U on TikTok. Julie is at Truly Julie without an E. So it's T-R-U-L-Y-J-U-L-I. And together we are HelloSocialize.com, working to bring you all the teachings, the trends, the creative forecasts weekly to share with you so that you can make your content journey easier. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Peace out.